On today's episode of Locked On Suns, the first coaching domino in the NBA could fall as soon as this week. What does it mean for Phoenix's search, as well as the potential biggest GM candidate in the league? Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your day. We are here for you every single week. Become an everydayer. Get locked on to your favorite team. All the news and analysis you need from here until forever, so long as you hit follow or subscribe and get the show in your feed Every single Monday through Friday, you can also follow along at Locked On PHX Suns over on Twitter to get updates on new shows, goof around, get some retweets of funny things that happen, all that good stuff in Suns world. Today's show brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the Locked On promo code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. That's last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed over at Game Time. The Milwaukee Bucks reportedly on their way to hiring a head coach. According to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, it is likely to be one of Nick Nurse, who was obviously the Raptors coach, Kenny Atkinson, the associate head coach of the Golden State Warriors, or top Raptors assistant, Adrian Griffin. Those three finalists are expected to meet with, um, sounds like ownership, although the team is for sale, so TBD who that is, but this week which means a, a hire could come as early as the end of this week or early next week. And that seems to me to be the final the final hire, uh, or, or I'm sorry, the first hire, because the Detroit Pistons were, were expected to hire their coach around the time of the lottery last week. They did not do that. They seem to be interested in Monty Williams. So that his firing, Doc Rivers' firing, have upended the, the, the market yet again. And the last sort of domino potentially here that impacts the Suns before I tell you what to make of all of this from a Suns standpoint is the Boston Celtics situation. I don't think the Lakers are going to fire Darvin Ham. I actually think he's been one of their best qualities as a team in this postseason run. It's his first year. They don't want to move on again, I don't think. And then uh, the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets are likely on their way to the NBA Finals. So it doesn't appear that either one of those teams would fire their coach. But the Boston Celtics would be a very desirable job. I think anybody would agree. So where does that leave us? The Milwaukee Bucks likely to make potentially the first hire of the cycle and the Celtics potentially about to get into the game if they do indeed fire Joe Missoula, which seems like a very decent likelihood. Where do the Suns come in? Obviously you hear Nick Nurse and that's where your attention has to go first from a Suns standpoint. Nick Nurse depending on uh, who's talking or what day it is, is at least a candidate for the, for the Phoenix job. At first, John Gambadoro came out and said that he did not expect the Suns to pursue um, Nurse, but then subsequently has said that he could see it happening. And then Woj, in the tweet of 
some of this news about Milwaukee added a follow-up post saying that he could very much see uh, that, that he that he believes nurse factors prominently looms prominently was the words that he used in Phoenix's and Philadelphia's searches as well. So it seems like the Suns are at least interested in Nick Nurse. And why why would they not be, right? I mean, accomplished coach. I think he his defensive creativity is is pretty second to none. I think that he has been able to get some good things out of unlikely sources. I think that he has helped certain players like Fred Van Vliet, I would say, has benefited a lot from what Nick Nurse has implemented there. I think other guys maybe less so, but Regardless of the retread options, Nurse has always been the one who I see as the best. I think he could make some sense for Milwaukee, especially from the perspective of they could be moving on from Brooke Lopez. They could also be moving on from Chris Middleton, but especially Lopez. You're going to have to reimagine what that defense will be if it's not Brooke Lopez hanging back in the paint. So, with that said... If the Bucks were to indeed hire Nick Nurse, I could see the Suns' search zeroing in even more on the guys that I expected it to from the jump, which were Ty Lue and Kevin Young. Not to pat myself on the back, but it just felt like this is where that's where this was going. Nurse going off of the table would would only double down the Suns' likely pursuit of Nurse. It is interesting to me, we haven't heard a ton about the Suns' search from national people at this point in time, outside of the interest in Ty Lue. There hasn't been a lot of, you know, Woj had a tweet where he talked about three assistant coaches who the Suns were likely to to talk to, but it, it said a list of assistants including, so even Woj was admitting he didn't even have all the names, and that's sort of been all that we have, so maybe Nurse getting hired would narrow the list down a little bit, and we might be able to, to at least get a little bit more information. I don't think the Sun should be in the business of getting into a bidding war for Nick Nurse. That's the other part of this. If, if part of this was Nurse's representation or even the Bucks sort of putting it out there that, hey, we are not, uh, we are up for grabs, but the Milwaukee job is, is a real likelihood. That could be used from Nurse's standpoint to get a higher uh, offer from another team. Could be from the Bucks standpoint to say, like, back off our guy. You know, we're we're narrowing in on him. I know it's one of three names. I think any of those three would probably be fairly solid hires. I obviously know the least about Adrian Griffin just because he uh, hasn't been a head coach before, whereas the other two obviously have, but... He's been a longtime assistant coach, has interviewed for head coaching jobs before, and, and surely would be, would be pretty solid. But I think Nurse is the guy that if you're the Bucks and you want to kind of back other teams off, you say that. Atkinson probably as well. Um, and so that's kind of the other place that I want to go with this. If Nurse gets off the table, I think what we see, again, is potential more information as the Suns narrow their search with another candidate off of the table as well as, um, you know, it might signal to us that they were not willing to go on a sort of competitive shopping spree, lottery, whatever, uh, with the Bucks in terms of what they're going to pay Nick Nurse. But from the Atkinson standpoint, I sort of think of it 
in a different way. Could Kenny Atkinson getting hired open up more change for the Warriors? Because he's the number one most likely guy out there at this point in time now that Mike Brown has taken a job, Willie Green has taken a job. We could see Jason Collins, uh, or Jaron Collins, I believe, take the Pistons job. Atkinson is kind of the next in line for the throne of Steve Kerr's job. We don't know if Steve Kerr is going to step away. There's no real reason to think it, but with the uncertainty around Bob Myers, as well as Steve Kerr's past as an executive, and a lot of uncertainty around the Warriors, Atkinson leaving would be pretty big, in my opinion. And I'll tell you what that might mean from a Suns perspective next. First today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks has fixed daily fantasy sports, made fantasy sports fun for the first time in my life, daily fantasy sports, that is. And every day of the NBA playoffs, all the way through the finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance to become a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. All you have to do is submit an entry, and you could be picked to get this chance. Whoever placed that entry will then be given another six pick flex with the following payouts. If you get six right, a million dollars, five, 80 grand, four, 16 grand. You must opt in at prizepicks.com slash million to be eligible. But again, it's a random selection based on that initial pick each day. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. If you have not already, and that sounds exciting to you, when you download the PrizePix app or go to prizepicks.com to make your account, first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, Bob Myers is the talk of the NBA in a lot of ways right now because of what he represents from the standpoint of the Warriors' evolution and potential upheaval there, as well as what he could mean to a potential new position, what he could do for a new franchise, considering that he is so well-respected and has had such success building this Warriors team. If you remember, you know, it's not just the... Durant stuff, right? He was promoted to general manager in 2012, right? So you think of the drafts that he oversaw, the acquisition of Andre Iguodala and all the trades that they had to do. And then, of course, hiring Steve Kerr and getting Durant eventually, continuing to make competitive moves for veterans that fit with that squad seeming to have a very solid relationship with Kerr and with Curry and Draymond and others, there have been, you know, general complaints that you could make. They haven't drafted super well since then. They are not at, they their hit rate has not been as high as it obviously was with the way that they were able to get Steph, uh, which I believe was prior to Bob Myers, but Steph and Clay and Draymond, Obviously, that is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. They did. They missed on um, Jordan Bell and others, but you cannot really argue with the potential to get Bob Myers in the door. From a Sun standpoint, here's where I get held up, why I don't think it's going to happen, why I don't think it's even a realistic possibility. One... 
Crazier things have happened, but I think we would have heard something by now about the Suns wanting to move on from James Jones and the current front office in the first place, right? You know, even looking at the fact that James Jones, for instance, hired Morgan Cato to be part of his front office last summer, hired, uh, hired Gerald, I'm not remembering the name, to be part of a Madkins, Gerald Madkins, to be a part of the front office this spring. If all of that, you know, was coming to a halt and there was going to be a major sea change in, in terms of who was running the basketball operations in Phoenix, I think that move would have already happened. Yes, if Bob Myers becomes available, there's a potential, obviously, to course correct. He's worth it, I think. But that's one thing. The other thing, because I know Suns fans are very intrigued by this, so that's part of why I wanted to give my input. I, I haven't yet. Um, really, from the Suns' standpoint, if I'm Bob Myers, the other way to look at this is, what could they offer me that the Warriors can't? And I think this is even true for a lot of places. I find it hard to believe that the Warriors would not make him a very competitive salary offer. I don't really think that it would make sense for them to lowball him or not match. You know, the guy that's expected to replace him is Mike Dunleavy Jr., who is a longtime NBA player, has been in that front office for quite a bit of time, but is by no means a sure thing himself. I have the conspiracy theory that there is a potential for Steve Kerr to rise up to a general manager or president of basketball operations position. Uh, that's very galaxy brain of me. That is very, um, you know, Charlie Day with the thumbtacks meme of me. But I do think that it could happen. And Atkinson being the entry point here was intentional. All of these things are all connected and, and they could happen. But what could the Suns offer? What could even the Wizards, who are apparently per interested in Myers, offer him that would be better than what his situation is with Golden State? It feels to me like if he is stepping away, it is to get some fresh air, get some, you know, take a breath, get out of basketball for a bit. This guy is, is, is very successful. He's been in a lot of walks of life around basketball, but, you know, by all accounts, could have a lot of career paths ahead of him. I always felt like the thing that they could potentially offer would be to be the president of a team, period, or a vice chair or something like that, the way that you've seen Masai Ujiri become in Toronto. That is a sports ownership group, a sports management group, and Masai has a senior position of leadership within that company, that firm, not just I run the basketball for Toronto's basketball team, but I have a senior level position right next, right underneath of, I believe his name is Larry Tannenbaum, who owns that company up in Toronto. That's what I think tends to be the path forward, right? Tim Connolly, there were, I mean, I don't know any of this stuff, but you read around and it seems like there was some uh, discussion at the time that Minnesota hired him before he made the Rudy Gobert trade and everything else, which is probably why you've heard of, of Tim Connolly. He allegedly has some sort of like ownership stake or a promise of an ownership stake or something like that as that team uh, gets taken over by two new people, including Alex Rodriguez. Those are the ways, those are the kind of the carrots that you have to dangle in front of these guys to have anything sort of feel like a, a promotion or a better opportunity. Bob Myers 
presides over one of the best teams in in sports, one of the most stable organizations in sports for the time that he's been there, and a team with an ownership group that has extraordinarily deep pockets and a huge willingness to spend. Now, of course, if things were to change and they were to, if Draymond was to want to leave or something were to happen, Jordan Poole, and they don't feel like they're going to be as competitive. I sort of think as long as Curry, as long as they can keep Curry and Draymond, there's reason enough to stay, but maybe some of the on-court stuff changes enough to get him to just not want that situation anymore. I could see it, but I don't expect it. Other than that, I'm not sure if you're not able to give him that president position, why he would come to your team. And so again, to come back around to it from a Sun standpoint... They can't offer him that, or at least it would be extremely unlikely. The Suns just hired a president, a CEO of the team, somebody to run the franchise day-to-day here in from Phoenix in place of or as a um, sort of all-seeing eye for Matt Ishbia, right? His name is Josh Bartlestein. He was hired to replace uh, Jason Rowley right when, within a month of when Ishbia took over the team, and Bartlesine has started to be more present at Suns playoff games, at the Mercury home opener over the weekend, all of this different stuff. James Jones, if you read uh, some of the reporting around that hire, uh, James Jones reports directly to Josh Bartlesine. It's a young guy, coincidentally, just like Bob Myers, also a former agent, but for all intents and purposes, that guy is the end-all be-all for this franchise now. You should get used to hearing that name. You should get used to trying to perceive what it is that Bartlestein's influence is and and how he affects things. I'll stay on it. I'll tell you what I think as we go, but that guy has an enormous amount of influence considering typically we would see James Jones, who's the president of basketball operations, report to the owner. In this case, the president of basketball ops reports to the president of the team. That's not uncommon, but when you give James Jones a promotion and then actually put him reporting to a new person, I could see that being a little uncomfortable, but the point is that's a powerful person. The Suns just hired Bob Myers would have been that for this team. Had they wanted to go after him? I think that's the only way that they would have been able to woo him would be to say, Hey, Jason Rowley just quit. We're trying to start over. We want there to be a congruity between basketball ops and, and business ops. We like the idea of somebody who knows both worlds running things. Would you like to take that position? You will be James Jones will report to you. You will oversee the business of the organization as well as the team and you will report directly to the owner, would you like that and we'll give you a massive salary to do it? I could see Bob Myers saying yes to that. But instead, they went out and hired a different former agent who is significantly younger than Bob Myers and significantly less proven. We will see how that pans out, but they took that risk. They already made that hire, and I don't see the, the justification or the interest that they would be able to get from Bob, like I know him, to come here. That's why I don't think the Suns would get Bob Myers. That's why I don't think the Wizards would get Bob Myers. I think it's either... He leaves the league for a bit and resets, waits for a great situation, some job like that to oversee more than just the basketball, or he stays with the Warriors on a new salary. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It sounds like people are thinking more so the former of those two things, but that's my two cents on the Myers pursuit. I don't know if he'll become available, but even if he does, I do not think he will land in Phoenix for all of those reasons. Let's have some fun in the last segment. The Denver Nuggets are on the precipice of potentially sweeping the Los Angeles Lakers. That could leave the Suns having stolen the most games in a series from Denver over the course of this dominant postseason run. Should that make Suns fans happy? We'll talk about it next. First, 
Today's show brought to you by Game Time. Browse through any event happening in your local community or wherever you might be traveling, and Game Time will have tickets for it. They have flash deals and last minute tickets, they have easy to find selections, and you can buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. My favorite part, aside from on top of the lowest price guarantee, the event cancellation protection, and the job loss protection that they offer is images of seat views straight from the app. I'm the type of person that wants to know, am I going to have an impeded view? Is it going to be, I'm squinting the whole time, do I need to bust out my binoculars from 2005 and make sure I can actually see what's going on, or am I going to have a straight shot, fairly close up, fairly solid for what I'm paying for? Game Time has that right in the same spot that you're looking for the seat. It'll show you what that view will look like. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will even credit you 110% of the difference. So download the Game Time app now, create an account, and use the locked use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on NBA for $20 off at Game Time. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Is losing in six to the Denver Nuggets actually a win for the Suns? Is probably the way that I would frame it uh, if I was being a little clickbaity. And obviously, the answer is no. I think winning the series against the Denver Nuggets would be the ultimate sign of success and satisfaction for Suns fans and for anybody associated with the organization. I don't think anybody is going to be taking a victory lap for, hey, we gave the eventual Western Conference champion the biggest run for their money that they faced. Who cares, um, right? You want to win. Suns were fairly or unfairly, I believe, favorites heading into the series. Um, but regardless, moving forward, looking forward, not dwelling on the loss. My, my point here in bringing this up, maybe the Lakers push this to six and, and what I'm saying right now is irrelevant. I kind of doubt it. I think they'll lose in four or five. But... It's not so much to try to take that victory lap so much as it is to say the Suns are in a good spot. Again, I'm going to continue to harp on that. I said it last summer. You guys didn't believe me. I was saying it mostly last summer from the perspective of you had young assets and Devin Booker. And as long as you had that, you were going to be in a position to win games as well as have flexibility to add future star talent. The Suns did both. They stayed above water. They won lots of games this year. And they ended up being able to trade for Kevin Durant. So I was right, even though the beginning of the or the middle of the season was a little rough for Phoenix, and then obviously another playoff exit. That continues to be true. There are two ways to build a team in the NBA right now. Two very different ways. I mean, there's always been lots of different ways to build a team if you're talking about from the ground up. But there are two types of teams that win. Might be the better way to put it. You either have continuity and more of a homegrown approach which is what you're seeing with actually Boston and Miami, frankly, Milwaukee and Denver and the Warriors, maybe the Grizzlies, you would say, or you're looking at more of a bought and sold approach to team building, which I think you would say at this current moment is Philadelphia, Cleveland, New York, and in the West... Sacramento, the Clippers, the Suns, the Lakers, the Wolves. And it seems as if with 
Boston winning would have represented something similar. In the East, the best cohesive, most cohesive teams rose to the top organically. In the West, I think Denver beating Phoenix and the, and the Lakers is a pretty big monument to the value in this era of parity of what continuity and comfort can do for you. Nuggets fans want to make it about culture, which I think uh, any mention of culture should obligatorily, if that's a word, come with a mandate that you give an example. Can you tell me how culture is affecting this? Can you tell me what player benefited from culture? I'm not saying there aren't examples for the Nuggets. I think Michael Porter Jr.'s development would be the easiest case study there. But I hate when people throw that term around just because they don't actually have an argument to make and they just want to have a superiority complex. Rant over, venting done. Nuggets fans are driving me up the absolute wall. But their success is absolutely a testament to the on-court value of continuity. I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say culture, but I think continuity and familiarity and, and reps together, all that is very apparent in the way that they play. You're not getting a two-man game as polished and in sync as what Murray and Jokic have. You're not getting uh, a level of help defense and, and defensive execution from that team, which doesn't have elite defensive talent without having, those experience, having experienced those lumps and wins and losses together. All of that is to say that's one route. If you're going the other route, which by acquiring Kevin Durant, the, the Phoenix Suns very clearly now are going that route of bought and sold. I, I, the sold part is a, a bought team, <laughs> whatever. Um, they've pivoted from we made the finals with, you know, third-year Mikhail Bridges, third-year DeAndre Ayton starting for us to we're going to go as far as Booker and Durant take us and our approach to roster building will be very different going forward. That approach carries a lot more risk. It, it just very obviously does. You're not having the benefit of experience and familiarity and comfort and all that stuff. You're, you're trying to win through sheer buy-in and overwhelming force of talent. And you can, right? The Toronto Raptors in 2019, the Lakers in 2020. Recent history, even post-Warriors dynasty, shows us that is still a definite, clear potential route to winning a championship. It's not as if the Nuggets winning this or the Heat winning this or even if the Celtics had gotten over the hump and won it would be some sort of like the, the point of trading for superstars has now been proven wrong. No, it's not that. It's just that they're different and this one carries more risk. The Suns though, I'm still going to go so far as to say that of the risky team building approaches of these bot teams, the Suns have the one I would want to bet on the most often, right? Let's go through it. Philadelphia. We don't even know if James Harden will be there. Hell, we don't even know if Joel Embiid will necessarily be there next season. I think Cleveland, I like their team, but they're sort of a combination of both. Do they cash in and get another co-star for Donovan Mitchell, or do they try to grow organically and have Garland and Mobley and, and Mitchell be sort of a three-headed, you know, A-minus tier star? Maybe Mobley becomes an A-plus tier star, and, and they approach it that way. We'll see. They're still early on. The Knicks, the Nets, those teams are sort of waiting to get another superstar. You go to the West, I think the Clippers would obviously be on your radar there, but their guys are old. They're only under contract through this season effectively before they have a player option. The Lakers, one of their stars is going on age 40, even older than Kevin Durant is. 
And the rest of the teams below that, I guess you would say the Dallas Mavericks are another example of this with Kyrie now in place. Maybe they go hunting for another star or they re-sign Kyrie on a big deal. We'll see. That would be another one. But until I know Kyrie is there and, and playing and consistent, I'm not going to put them above the Phoenix Suns in terms of the, the, the infrastructure in place. I think Luka's amazing by himself, but you need more than that. So I just went through all the teams that have sort of approached things that way. Now, a lot could change between now and when next season starts if people like Embiid and Lillard and Kawhi and Paul George and whoever else are actually Jalen Brown are actually on the table. But right now, I think you would look at Booker and Durant and say, I'd rather start there of any of these other super team or whatever you want to call them, these teams built through trade. I think that Booker and Durant as a starting point there is the best. And so, yes, it's more risky. Yes, there might be an inherent advantage that you will see from a Denver or a Memphis or a Boston or a Miami, but so be it. The Suns have chosen their path. I don't think that they were going to compete with those homegrown teams with the lack of uh, lack of of replacement young players Jalen missing on the Jalen Smith pick trading the pick for Landry Shamit um whatever you want to point to those things were going to limit them from ever getting to be such a high caliber young continuity based team so they made their choice they traded for Durant and they now have the best version of this type of team I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think they have to nail the subsequent moves. They have to be creative and smart about filling out this roster and finding value players on the margins. That's a conversation for a different day. That challenge is obviously always going to be there. But having the best starting point is a great place to be. It's a great place to be. That'll wrap us up for today. More reports, more rumors, more slop as I like to call it, coming throughout NBA free agency. We are less than a month until the draft when fireworks are sure to erupt here in Phoenix and elsewhere. I'll keep you up to date on all of it and give you my thoughts every single day if you hit follow or subscribe to get this show into your feed. Catch Locked On Sports today. In the meantime, get caught up on everything else going on around the whole world of sports. That show is available on all podcast platforms as well. And I will catch you all 